Hi, my name is Moshe Kindler, and I'm the publisher of The Jewish Link. Hi, this is Elizabeth Kratz. I'm editor of The Jewish Link. And you're on The Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. All right, welcome to The Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. I am here with a good friend, a former neighbor who uh, moved out of uh, the, the, the TNA community and lives uh, in another undescribed location in, in northern New Jersey, uh, and that is Maury Litwack. Uh, Maury's a great friend and just someone who is a very special person, a, a leader in the community, and uh, welcome, Maury. I'm really happy to be here. They gave me hot cocoa. <laughs> I'm sitting here on a Thursday morning. I'm just really enjoying it at the uh, international headquarters of Jewish Link. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I'm assuming I'm assuming this mean this means that the Jewish Link publication will not arrive at, on my driveway, but will now be delivered right to my you know Shabbos morning. I will get it basically when I have my coffee. So that's what I assume. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I assume that it's an immediate. I've, I've I'm upgraded to VIP link status. Uh, that is, you definitely are. But more importantly, I I know I haven't done this on any of the podcasts. How is the home delivery doing? The home delivery is great. I'm very happy with the home delivery. It's it's we, it's one of those things where we all read the Jewish link, and uh, I hear it from my people fight over who's going to get to open the Jewish link, and so my wife, my kids, etc. So it's a combination of it's one of those papers where you hear what's going on in the news. You see what's going on in your community, and then sometimes you see one of your friends or neighbors or one of your kids in the paper. So it's uh, it's really exciting because I'm in the media a lot, and it's one of those things where my kids are often like, "I'm in the paper, and you're not in the paper this week." <laughs> so it's a Jewish it's a Jewish link gives that. It's really just like the whole community. Um, I don't know how you know what's going on weekly in the community if you don't read the Jewish link. Love it. Okay, didn't need the commercial, but I really appreciate it, and 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 it's definitely. Uh, it, I mean, it, that, that's what we're trying to do. We're if I, to... if you just served me coffee, I, there's no way I would have said that. It was it was the hot cocoa talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone, hear that? Uh, uh, serve serve more little hot hot cocoa, mint hot cocoa, and he's good to go. <laughs> good so. to go. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Maury, I'll tell you something. So I've known you probably for about a decade or so, maybe even more. Um, tell I always found your background interesting. You know, you are not your typical uh, Orthodox leader. You, your background's different. Um, you, you have a government experience. Give me the Maury Litwack, you know, I guess two, three, four minute story quickly, and for for, for anyone listening, because I, I think I think your background is is just unique. Well, so I so I grew up in in Cleveland, and uh, and I I went to um, yeshiva in in Maryland, and I ended up going to college at the University of Maryland. Um, so um, go Terps! As of now, uh, we're still in 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 the in in it to win it in March Madness. Uh, I think that the um, I came to senior year. I was getting a degree in uh, in like public relations and and that sort of communication field. In senior year, I remember being in class, and everyone around me was um, studying for the LSAT. And I said, well, what, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, we have to figure out what we're doing next year. And I said, oh, I got to study for the LSATs also. So I, I said, okay, maybe I'll be a lawyer. Like I never thought that far in terms of it. And I, I started studying for the LSAT, and I was very diligent, and I, I studied and studied and got books and everything. And I went to the LSAT, and I scored a 151, which apparently is not good enough to get into law school. So I got rejected from many, many uh, great law schools. And at that point, I was trying to figure out what to do, and I had been doing some interning um, that year at uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And I was an intern in there in doing basically almost like data processing on the IT side, just a job. And... Uh, probably about 20 to 30 feet away from me, uh, one day I was doing my very tedious, very boring work, and I heard like whooping and hollering, and people were uh, opening champagne. And I said, what is going on over there? And they said, oh, you just ignore them. Those are the lobbyists. And I said, the lobbyists? That looks like a lot more fun than what I'm doing over here. 
and uh, I got another internship uh, really with a lobbying firm. And uh, when I graduated from college, my, my site was on, on politics and how do I engage in politics. And uh, they told me at the time, they said, look, you could stay at, a, at this lobbying firm and make Mike money. But at the end of the day, if you really want to be in politics, you have to actually uh, have political experience. And so I went to work on Capitol Hill. And I went to work for um, two mo- different members of Congress, both Mormon, because if you keep uh, Shabbos, you got to have uh, uh, elected officials who respects that. And most elected officials do not respect a seven day. At the time, they didn't respect that that uh, flexibility I needed. But the Mormon members of Congress definitely did. So I worked for one from Utah, one from Northern California, uh, did all kinds of different policy and public affairs work, left that to become the, the, the in-house lobbyist from Miami-Dade County. To be their DC, their DC lobbyist representing Miami-Dade County, which is the sixth largest county in the country, uh, doing everything from Miami International Airport work to the Port of Miami to all Miami Transit, all kinds of interesting things. My background really domestic policy for the most part, and then I got a uh, an offer at the OU. And when I was at the OU, um, there was an opportunity to start working on state and local government affairs, and I started working on it. And something drew me to an unbelievable issue in particular, which was the issue of Jewish education and funding for our kids. And most people don't know this, but most of local and state work, 92% of education funding in America comes from local and state government. So I started working on that, and that drove the creation of an organization called Teach, which people now know in your in New Jersey, it's Teach NJ. In New York, it's Teach NYS. In Florida, Teach Florida, Teach Maryland, Teach California, and on and on. And we're very, very proud of the fact that 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 organization has successfully lobbied for um, hundreds of millions, if not not over a billion dollars in funding and services and all these things we take for granted, from security guards in front of our schools and schools to um, uh, to security in our some of our camps to funding for STEM education, to this big news that everyone heard about in Florida uh, that's happening this week. Uh, so we're really proud of that. So I, I really became went from sort of full circle from from being watching uh, that whooping and hollering and that champagne popping to doing some of my own champagne popping and realizing that I could change the world and really help the community uh, by being an influential voice on uh, an advocacy in that front. Uh, and I'm very proud that that platform has given me the opportunity to not just do that work, uh, but I'm now the managing director of public affairs at the Orthodox Union, which includes um, oversight of the the fundraising work, of the marketing communication work, and also of the uh, um, politics, all the public facing aspects of the OU. Right, so just just taking a step back, when you when you heard those lobbyists um, have, living it up, you know, years ago, and then you went into politics, did you have? I'm, I'm very into as the publisher of the Jewish Link into what I call a shame shemayim. You know, did you have like higher aspirations for the Jewish community? Did, did you ultimately think that you'd be you know be taking some of that? I mean, did you go into politics with the sense of maybe serving the Jewish people, Klal Yisrael? Did no, you? absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I thought I'd make a ton. Of, I thought I'd make a ton of money. I thought I'd make a ton of money. If 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 the if if that intern in there knew what I was doing now, I think he'd be very disappointed. I, I, that was not the goal. Was not to work. Uh, my father worked work, has worked in Klal, worked for 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 his life. Um, I know the difficulties of working in the community and the ups and downs of it. I, I would never have. No, I mean that wasn't the goal at all. The goal was Shalolishma. So I got to the Lishma, but the goal was Shalolishma, which is my intention. Was I thought I was going to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Well, remind me, what was your dad? I forget. I forget what, so my dad was was he worked in the Federation. He worked. Uh, he's worked in uh, on behalf of yeshivas. He worked on behalf of um, nonprofits. So he's done everything from uh, running development to being executive director at a, a whole host of places for decades. So I, I grew up with. Uh, it's probably I guess is in my blood in the sense that I grew up with someone who did that. 
Okay. So, by, by the way, I, did, I actually forgot that, and I think that that's definitely that has more of an impact on you than you realize. I, I believe. Yeah. I could be wrong. Uh, that's for sure. But it's, it's even more because people who have been in clockwork or have their parents and their others are always just amazed that someone else does it because there's ups and downs to it. There really is. It's not. It's not easy to work in in the communal life. Um, you know, I think a lot of people say, "Wow, you have such good schluss that you're working in community life." But a lot of time, nobody, almost nobody, says, "Wow, this must be so much fun to to uh, um, take you know difficult problems and try to resolve them and do that." Because um, it's not look, it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy. To, uh, the community has a lot of challenges and there's a lot of issues and things like that, and we want to work on those and do those. Um, but many times in the Jewish communal work, you have limited resources to do so. You have limited volunteer work. You have limited funding. Uh, so it's it's not easy. It's not the same as in the business world where you sell a, a, X number of product and get Y return. In in the community work, you're a lot of the times dealing in abstracts. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with that. Uh, for a lot of people, I feel like there it's uh, you know you mentioned your dad, your father. A lot of people, I feel like it's uh, it's one teacher, one rebbe. Someone had an influence on you, so, meaning so, someone pushed you. You know, so, but it could be it could even be like a teacher thinking you know you somewhere you saw the marriage of politics and nonprofit and fundraising, and, and you saw you saw it somewhere. I don't know. I don't know if it's a rebbe. I don't know if it's a if it's a if it's the teacher. I don't know if it's an experience, but so, someone in your in your twenties or whatever younger got you going. So I think one of the per- people. I've spoken about this previously, which is one of the people, when I was living in Silver Spring, Maryland, one of the people who was very influential to me was um, uh, Rabbi Anamur Zasal, who was the, the, the rub of the shul. He also went, created the yeshiva that, I, that uh, I went to. And I just was so impressed by the fact that this is someone who came out of uh, yeshiva and tells, uh, also Cleveland Connection, and, and just started something, was a builder. And just to, wa- to see where the community was and just imagine him building it from scratch... Uh, I just was very impressed. I'm always impressed by builders, and that was something I think that when I was first starting Clawwork, I, I was just so impressed by that. And he, when I spoke to him about early work I was doing really as a volunteer in the community, he was so supportive of it, just trying one thing, doing your one thing, and going through it. So I, I would say that's probably the person who had, who had a big impact on me in terms of that as a Rebbe and also as my Rav and also just just that builder piece. So like I, th- I just – I don't think people appreciate enough, and you know, there's others in the community who who I've um, developed relationships with, who I'm also just massively impressed by their builder pieces. So, um, for example, Rabbi Bender and Darkly Torah, just incredible what he built. Uh, I have a relationship um, with Rabbi Lookstein, who's in his 90s now, um, who again, just incredible what he built on the east side. And it's just you know, you have all kinds of different individuals throughout the community that have just built incredible things. And even just look at Teenex, some of the people who've just built things from scratch. From 40, 50 years ago, which is wild. Yeah. By the way, I look at you as a builder. Also, you built a term. You've built your own. I still remember when Teach Coalition, uh, when Teach was just starting. I think probably about ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. And you were you were just trying to do some start of some grassroots lobbying efforts with. If I remember, it was always at the beginning. It was about lobbying with you know with churches and Muslim and you know interfaith groups, just trying to get New York State Assembly to pay attention to our issues. So uh, is that, if, 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 sort of my, I, my memory could be wrong though. Correct? No, it's it's funny because I I think there's a the reason why I think Moshe and I have a good relationship also is i think we started the jewish link now is is 10 years old is 10 years old <laughs> i saw that i saw the anniversary and i said i thought for a second it said 25th year anniversary <laughs> and i then i said to myself Moshe looks great and then i realized i think it's 10 years 10 years so it's 10 year anniversary um and i started started this effort really in earnest probably about 10 years ago in, in 11 12 and i remember that we were both sort of just scratching and clawing to make something happen and um, I remember when the Jewish link came out, and and uh, two things happened. Is I remember that everyone wanted to do the Jewish link around the country, 
And so you feel that like a chryas. And and I think well, your 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 thing is that 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 those unique areas where cloud responsibility meets business, which is so a lot of people say, well, it's a it's a business enterprise. It's like no, it's not. Restaurants in the Jewish community. The Jewish newspapers, others, there's an achrayas and responsibility to the community. So I remember when you were first starting and doing that, it was around the same time as I was doing it. And I remember I remember getting calls. I was living in Maryland at the time, and I remember getting calls where people were like, oh, that'll never be successful. That'll never take off. Like, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. And I remember speaking to people in Jersey where they say, oh, that won't that won't work. And you remember some of this. Absolutely. And it's, and it's the same thing um, when it came to teach. Like, people repeatedly said to me, like, schools did. Uh, community members, others, Rabanim, others say, this is never going to work. And, and I, I got to say that I'm sure you appreciate this also is just it feels great to win. It feels great to prove that the skeptics wrong on those things, etc. Um, but boy, oh boy, can you not lose that drive of, of that next thing, that next big idea and next where you're going. Uh, and complacency is just, just the worst. And I, I, I do believe that when people look at uh, our work or they look at your work, there is sort of a tendency to say, okay, they're, they're the establishment now. But, but 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 10 years ago or, or 12 years ago, a lot of it just clawing and grabbing and trying to do something. Yeah, it's funny. I actually never, I didn't realize that we were, we started the same time. Uh, by the way, people didn't think I was, they weren't skeptical. They thought I was outright Meshuggah, okay? Yeah. And the truth is, you know something? They thought the same thing about you. I, I, yeah. I'm actually going to, I'm going to place myself in that camp. I thought what you were doing, you know, 10, like 10, 11 years ago, I didn't think you had a chance in hell of success. And I'm really, I'm really happy to see where you guys. I'm like, I, I love every email you send. By speaking of emails that you send, okay, you've become kind of a weekly columnist. I know you're also in that we don't really mention on the air. I know that you're in Mishpacha as well. Um, I love your columns, by the way. Um, I just one of the things that I find funny is when you write about fundraising. Yes, okay? yes. Um, so you wrote a column recently that, about uh, about fundraising block. Which, which I, I'm going to tell you, something I actually disagreed with, because there's no such thing as fundraising block for fundraisers. If a fundraiser can't fundraise or is not doing his job, that, meaning that what my point is is that there's not, there's no, for a fundraiser, there's always something to do. Meaning there's always a test. If you're not doing anything, that means you're not doing your job. So, but but I but I liked your actually. You know, t- tell tell the audience what you uh, what, what those recommendations were for fundraising. Look, I, I I do agree that if, as a fundraiser, there's always something to do. But I, what I what I think it's it's maybe the maybe the title should have been different, which is maybe it's it's fundraiser pause or maybe it's fundraiser delay or maybe it's fundraiser prognosticate. But I think similar to other things in life, there's a tendency to say to say to be overwhelmed by the moment. And what I was trying to advise people to do was to to really just do three things, which is uh, identify who it is you're trying to help, and, f- and remember that, uh, which is which comes from um, from a book called When, which is just this idea of like stopping and saying, who am I trying to help? So if you're the Jewish Link and you're you're putting out a, a, a very busy Pesach edition and you're overwhelmed, you say, well, who who's going to be reading this over Pesach? What am I trying to help? And that's very helpful. Number two is 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 speaking to. Um, a mentor or, or a friend and sort of identifying for a mentor and friend, um, you know, what, what uh, uh, asking sort of for feedback and, and, and guidance on that. And I'm trying to think of what the third one was. What was the third one? The third was one? take a walk. Take, third was take a walk. Yeah, sort of, mm-hmm. sort of just, just, just do, do a process, do a process of, uh, of a sort of reset, if you could, if you will, reset. And I, what I talked about in that column was just the fact that people don't, people always think again, Similar to I think I think um, anything, which is Martin Luther King is known as one of the biggest uh, nonprofit visionaries in, in in history, and you read his his autobiographies, and it's so many times one of my favorite stories is, is someone saying I want to give money to you, and he doesn't have a nonprofit set up, 
And then him, him sitting there saying, should we charge $25 for the dinner or $50 for the dinner? And I just love those stories and sort of reminding people that wherever you are, you're, 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 whatever you, there's this perception out there that like that person just was born into success. That person was born into a great gig. That person was born, and it's just not like that. Yeah, 100%. Um, the truth is actually one of the things that's funny is every time I talk to you, it's basically a big part of your job is fundraising. Like it's right. so, oh, By the way, no one graduates college thinking they want to be a fundraiser. The you know, people we people fall into it. You know, I'm I'm not yeah. I'm now not in fundraising. You're in, you're in fundraising. I actually look at you as one of the leading fundraisers of our current day. You know, just tell us a little bit. You know, tell me a little bit about how 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 much you're spending time on fundraising um, nationally and locally. I know you're helping all the the local teachers as well. Right, right. So I probably spend about fifty percent of my time on fundraising. The other fifty percent of my time on political work and political uh, advocacy. Um, I like fundraising. To me, fundraising is very similar to lobbying. It's another form of sales. Interesting. Uh, the reason why I like fundraising and I think I'm good at it and I thrive at it is I just really believe that fundraising is about completely about relationships. And I just believe that that one of the things I teach and I talk about all the time is um, I found I, I, sort of a reset on the fundraising side and realizing that when you're going after a cause or you're trying to help a cause or anything, it's it's you want to have an in in honest and real exchange with people in terms of values and you know the thing the thing that i i talk about is like if i if i were to ask um moshe right now for uh let's let's do something that we we uh we both care about so like if i were to ask um What's the what's the stuff you care about? What stuff are we raising for today? Let's what what we got? Give me something. Well, you talk about the organization I founded, the Bayit Association, yes. housing for special needs adults, Jewish Jewish special needs adults in our community. Right. So by the Bayit, right? So 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 it's the right. We got the. So the Bayit is, I think, a very important cause. And if I were to go up to somebody and I would just say to them, um, "Thanks for meeting with me. I need a thousand dollars for the Bayit." The person's reaction to that whole thing is is one of two things. Either they say maybe a minority of them say, okay, here's $1,000. Or the more likely reaction is, I don't have a relationship with you. I don't know the organization. I have a relationship with you. I don't know what the cause is. I'm not sure if it's in my cause range. And people get turned off from that. And they, okay, they give out 180 or 360. Then there seems to be almost like a a plague in the community of fundraisers repeatedly saying, okay, I earned, I asked for 1,000. I made 180. I'll just keep bothering Moshe every year for the 180 until he gives me that. Maybe he gives me 72. It's sort of like this volume idea. And if you look at professional fundraising training and you look at that in any sales, it doesn't work like that. What happens is, is that similar to like people who want ads in the Jewish link, there's an idea that this is good for both parties. The the ad, the ad will give me exposure within the Jewish link and the and, sales and yeah. sales and Jewish link makes sales off of it and it's and it's it's the right value in ad. But if 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 um if there if if the Jewish link just starts calling advertisers and cold calling advertisers, it's like what what? So maybe you get a hundred dollar ad or fifty dollars ad, but it's it's not it's a broken relationship. I think some, so with fundraising as well. I just think so much of it is about understanding um, what what is the value system of the of the person you're asking for, and does it fit into what you're doing? So one of my first questions that I teach and train always is Moshe, what are the top three causes that you do that you're interested in? And you'd find out from that that the buy it might fit into one of those top three causes. Um, and, and then when you go from there, then you can have a real exchange of information, but there's all many times where someone says it's not in my top three causes. And then you might have to stop fundraising or not ask them or continue. And maybe you could say, well, who is it in their top three causes that we could go ask? So the meaning isn't mean, isn't purposeless, but okay, you move on to somebody else. Similarly, there's many people who call me up and say, 
I thought I was interested in this. I don't care about this or others. And I'm many times offered to say, you know, I, you don't have to continue giving to it because again, it's just, it's that exchange. And I think the reason why I developed reputation as a, as a good fundraiser is that lay leaders know that that's how I work. And so I've turned that like someone, I went to, went to someone's office, they offered me a substantial amount of money, but with the caveat that they weren't interested in the project at all. And I turned them down because I just fundamentally believe that that's what this is about. Yeah. That person that turned you down, did you get him to become a donor after? Eventually he became a donor to other things, but that project he wasn't interested in. But from a respect and reputation perspective, uh, we have a real relationship now because of, because that's it. Donors know that they can have that real relationship with me. And I think what's lost in the fundraising world, in Jewish and from nonprofits in particular, is just that, that once a year rinse, wash, repeat. Like I hit the same person up for money every year once a year, wash, repeat. They have no idea what you're doing over the course of the year. They don't feel involved in it. They don't feel invested in it. People give to the, the to top three causes because they feel with their mind and their heart that they're doing the, 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 that that's making a very powerful impact, and they give more to it because they feel that they're part of that impact. And nonprofit from nonprofits just do a, many times do a poor job. They ask for money just at the dinner. They ask for money just at that one time fundraising, and then they're surprised when people go down, lower their money, or they don't increase it. Yeah, no, 100%. But those are good words. And I think, by the way, you're running Teach that way. I mean, I think, I just saying as a Teach, as someone who's on the Teach list, and, you know, I, I, I feel like you're doing a good job. Uh, though I'm not the average person, you're doing a good job just, you know, kind of keeping your donors, your your, your people, your activists. Your, your, you said you had, you started off actually before we went on camera. Yeah. You actually said you have ten over 10,000 yes. activists. Yes, yeah. We, we have an incredible number of advocates who are basically developing relationships with politicians. They're... Heading to to um, they're heading to places like Albany and Trenton, and it's incredible. I mean, like we really have a movement of people who are involved in this at this point because, look, Jewish education um, is the most important issue in the community. There was a study by um, the Nishmar Research Profile which said that tuition crisis uh, is the number one issue. Eighty-eight percent poll that tuition crisis is the number one issue across across all Shkafik, uh areas. So. I mean, I don't think we should be surprised. I mean, it has a direct, immediate impact on people's pocketbooks and and uh, and their children and grandchildren. Yeah. Okay. So the big news of the day for for us is is actually Florida. Okay. And and just so you know, your your teach some of your teach staff has been like saying, Moshe, you got You got to write about Florida. You got to write about Florida. And I said, Well, we don't really cover Florida yet. I do deliver. By the way, Jewish Link is delivered to South Florida weekly. I don't know if you're aware really? of that more. Yes. Okay. Uh, we I just made a commitment now to do it between Rosh Hashanah and Pesach weekly year round, about six, seven months a year. I think you're gonna have a problem though when you you do the. I've seen those issues where you do like. The snowstorms and you do the snow and things like that, and then you have that on the beach. I think you're going to create a lot of conflict between the communities. So I think you got to think through the exact what your seasons you're covering. So hold on a second. So I actually got into a bit of a fight with one of your people. Not yeah. not a not a bad yeah. fight. And I said, you know, Florida's not really uh, in our coverage right, area. Right. You know, we're just not covering Florida. And they said, no, no, Moshe, this is actually relevant to you. Okay, and so tell me a little bit about why she was right. Okay, and 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 I know that the number that's being bandied around is eighty five hundred for per student for Florida. So tell tell us a little bit about that, and then I want to hear about New Jersey also. Right. So so I I. There's a there's a a doctor in in uh, Florida. His uh, his name is uh, is Alan, and he um, about 12, 13 years ago was a volunteer at Torsemis, which is one of the big um, schools there. And he was looking on his um, on the sheet of the budgets and everything else, and he saw this line pop up. And he asked the school, "What is this line?" They said, "Well, it's a new scholarship program, a tax credit scholarship program." And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was under $50,000 or something. 
And he said, that's incredible. He said, can, I, can we honor them at the dinner? And they said, what do you mean we can honor the dinner? There's an organization, a scholarship granting organization. So he did some research and he found out that those, the, or the, the state of Florida had passed a law which, which provided um, tax credit scholarships to, um, to uh, non-public schools. And the way the program works, very simple, was that um, if you were Florida Citrus, you could make a $10 million donation to the Yeshiva and Catholic Scholarship Fund. And then the Yeshiva and Catholic Scholarship Fund would give upwards of $8,500 to anyone making below, uh, let's say, $150,000, $150, somewhere in that range. And they would get that scholarship. And at the end of the year, Florida Citrus would be able to write off their taxes $10 million, not a deduction, literally a credit. So if they owe the state of Florida $20 million, now they only owe $10 million. Win-win for everybody. So Dr. Jacob looked at this. Not so much the state, though. The state's it's out a little money. Well, not necessarily. We're going to talk about that in a second. So Dr. Jacob looked at this program and started to advocate and, and find out what was going on. He traveled to Tallahassee, found out which legislators were supportive of it or not. He created something called the Jewish Leadership Coalition, which was a, 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 a real coalition of all the different Jewish parties involved. And then we met up, and um, Dr. Jacob uh, formed Teach Florida with us. And he's been the chairman ever since, and that's probably like 2013, 2014. And uh, we've watched, uh, we brought in the sophisticated, we brought lobbyists in, political strategists. Um, we turned people out to vote. We engaged the community in an unbelievable way. We built a serious advocacy organization in Florida. And year after year, we watched those, those programs grow. But we also watched our political cloud and muscle grow as well. And this year, we thought we saw an opportunity to advocate for something unbelievable, which was the, the, the idea that perhaps we could get a universal program. Regardless of income, everyone would be eligible for it. And um, Baruch Hashem, uh, this week, Governor DeSantis signed the law, an $8,000 per child uh, scholarship program, which people will have in accounts, and it can be used for tutoring. It can be used for, um, for literally tuition. It can be used for all kinds of things. But I was literally in Florida for most of this week, not just celebrating, um, you know, pam popping those champagne bottles like I was in the insurance company, but also um, talking to parents who just couldn't get over the fact that they were getting $8,000 a kid regardless of their income. Anyone who's not sending their kid to a, to a Florida public school yes. now has $8,000 to do tutoring, to do whatever they want they with can use it. They can use it for, for tuition, a lot of different things. Wow. And so it's, it's a remarkable thing. And um, it's, I think, the biggest news we've ever done because we've gotten some of these programs in other states. We've passed, but Florida is the third or fourth largest Yeshiva Day School population in the country. Florida is the first state with a very sustainable, serious uh, institution. And I'm saying that I respect to the out-of-towners, but I'm saying that as an out-of-towner who grew up with like very few kosher restaurants. Um, and so Florida has a lot of schools. Florida has a real system. So it's a big deal. Like I think I wrote an article last week for the New York Sun where I said that – I mean I didn't write an article. I was, I was quoting the New York Sun where I said um, I thought people in New York and Jersey are going to move because of it, which I do believe they are going to move because of it. Uh, but I think that it, it's the breaking news for the New Jersey constituency and for the Jewish Link constituency in particular is we've, we've already been, been – um, Teach NJ – uh, has already been lending its support to a, a effort statewide to go after tax credits like that original program that Dr. Jacob looked at. And um, and there's an effort statewide, which there's support for it in Passaic, there's support for it in Metro West, there's support for it in Clifton, in Lakewood, there's support for it uh, in Englewood, in Teaneck, in Fairlawn. The, there's community leadership across the board who have all uh, gathered together to say, we want to go after this program in, in New Jersey. 
and um, and the idea behind it is to have a is is to have a multi-year plan to go after it. The idea behind it is to really create increase our voter turnout on it because that's one of the most important things you can do. The idea behind it is to increase our relationships with our elected officials. Uh, and the idea behind it also is to increase our unity as a community, not just within the Jewish community, but within that larger interfaith community as well. So I don't think we've we've announced it anywhere, but that is the that is the 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 goal intent, uh, and we've been working on. So when parents in Flo- in New Jersey heard about it, and they say, "Why not New Jersey?" They say, "Well, good news. We're already working on 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 an initial sort of pilot form of that." Now, when parents say to me, "Well, it will be universal," uh, I, I don't see that being the initial programs. I think there will be an income cap on it, but just imagine a situation where where parents could be getting eight to ten thousand dollars per kid, even if the, if it's an in, in, in income cap to a certain amount. You, you're seeing unbelievable drive before this program. Just under that existing scholarship tax credit program, we had schools who were announcing publicly that they had three to five kids on scholarship. So just imagine that in the in this community here it would be an unbelievable game changer for for that for that. Right, and uh, so the it's it's funny because I remember uh, talking about this. Our community, almost everyone can afford to pay something. You know, right. m- most people are working. There really are, uh, from what I, just from what I know of the community, most people are able to pay, you know, five, uh, uh, a certain, uh, definitely a few thousand per, for, per kid for tuition for the vast majority, okay? 8,000 would be, would, would be huge, uh, or, or any number would be huge. Actually, I, li- I just like the way that you're approaching, which is not just about lobbying for more direct aid. That's not, we, and almost what you're saying is that's not going to really work per se. You have to be, you have to do it a little bit sophisticated. Yeah, you have to do things. You know, Dr. Jacob said that every it's the art of the incremental. It's the art of incremental. Now, we we believe that, you know, we have a four to five year plan to get it done. Maybe we're in year one right now. Dr. Jacob, if anybody told you that, that in 12 years we could get $8,000 per kid here, I think everybody would be rolled their sleeves and go do it. Um, I, 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 I'm not saying we have a 12 year plan, but I do think that there is a tendency in the community to want things like that. And, um, it, we've had a very difficult time explaining to community members that if you want to go after these big wins and do this, it is the art of the incremental. It requires a lot of work, and it requires us a, a political sophistication, which our community does lack. Our community, you know, the best part of this is the way I always describe this for years and years is I ask people in a room to raise their hands and tell me how many of their assembly members they know, how many of their state senators they know, how many of their city council members they know, how many of their town council, whatever it is by the time I'm done, nobody has raised their hand. And then I say to them, what would you do if I were to tell you that your local and state elected officials are anti-Israel? And they would lose their minds. I say, but how do you know if they are or not? Now, now local, uh, the reason why I use that analogy is because being anti-Israel in our community is, is probably a good way to not get elected, but also a good way to sort of change the community's perspective and get people out to vote, etc. So I say, but do you know that the mo- a lot of the local and state elected officials, they don't support funding for our schools, or they a lot of them are literally publicly against it. And so, um, you know, if, if you if if you look at it like that and think about it like that, you realize we just have a tremendous amount of work to do. And so, I like to use that because it's sort of a wake up call to community members of how to think about it. I, I, no, I like that. That's for sure. Um, by the way, also, it wasn't just Florida. Pennsylvania, I think, also about a year or two as well. You want to talk about? Yeah, Florida, Pennsylvania has had a program, an existing program there, which has been very beneficial as well. Look, I I think that the the fact that you have in neighboring Pennsylvania a a a program like this. I do believe that our one of our pitches to New Jersey is going to be you don't want to lose kids to Florida, you don't lose them to Pennsylvania. When Hollywood receives tax credits to film here, it's because the state is arguing uh, that you want to incentivize those job producers, you want to incentivize those taxes and the revenue. It's the same thing with us. When when you lose 
um, families to Florida and other places, you're losing tax revenue. And Florida has a surplus. And the reason why Florida has a surplus, because they're trying to attract not just businesses, but they're also trying to attract our families. So that's what, when, when, when you look at, when you look at that spend, Florida is saying is doing, if Microsoft were to drop into Teaneck tomorrow and were to say, we are going to create a headquarters in Teaneck with 10,000 jobs, elected officials would, would, would jump over themselves to try to figure out how do you get them to stay here, tax breaks, tax incentives. What's the difference between that and losing 10,000 Jewish or Catholic or Islamic kids? What is the difference? And that's what the argument we have to make to elected officials. Okay. It's, I was actually going to get to that point. Like, you know, some of these tax credit programs will impact the state budget, so the state bottom line. You know, that, how, do you, how do you answer some of those? That's, just, that's what I answer. answered it, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. No, that's, it's, uh, so I'll tell you something. So I rarely ever promise. Um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the ironclad rules about the Jewish link is, is we never guarantee front page. Okay, but I'm promising you now that uh, with every one of your successes, um, I'm promising you and the teach team that we will we will look forward to putting some of your successes on the front page. Let's just say that. Wow, I like so, it. I like it. So, I really I really thought we were going in a direction where you're going to deliver me the Jewish link on on Chavez. <laughs> I thought for one second that's who he's going to go. He's going to walk. No. I live in Anglewood. I thought he's going to walk to Anglewood. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not as good as that. But I hope to see you on Chavez sometime. Also, all I can say is some of the people in Anglewood have these really long driveways, and they tell me that they if they don't pick it up before Chavez. It's such a long walk at the end of their driveway, and I always get upset when I hear that. By the way, there's been times where I haven't read it on Shabbos, and I want to read it on the way to shul, and I see it at the end of a long driveway, and I think about the ethics of whether I can pick it up or not. Because okay. if I th- if I if you see that they didn't read it at the end, I, I think we have to ask a child. You to bring a rubber. No, no. So I've already asked that child, and here's the answer. Yeah. Okay. The answer is, is if someone has not taken the paper by Shabbos, okay, that paper is hefker. Okay, it's free and clear. You're allowed to take it. All right. Meaning that person has been miyayish, even though it's on their property. Uh, that person has clearly no interest in taking it in if it's Shabbos. Okay. Right. So therefore, it's it's free and clear. Uh, you can take it in. Now that, that's that, how that's how I feel about the suburbanite. People are well willing. People can take the suburbanite anytime they want from my driveway. Right. So that's right. Do not touch my Jewish link. But people can take the suburbanite anytime you want. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Just to let you know, by the way, I, I think I said this before, but uh, we've there are some families, by the way, that we do deliver two papers a week for shalom bias issues. Uh, meaning, if because because there are fights within families, there's about 25 families. You didn't know about this special unique VIP program. I am announcing it on the air. So if anyone contacts me, I think, editor, should, I think we should raise some money for therapists for these families. I think that is that. <laughs> what is, do you mean? The, the two papers keep them sane. They keep them. They keep I them. guess. Wow, that is service. <laughs> So we, we definitely I don't do it too often, but I'm I'm, I'm putting it on the on this uh, on this show, letting people know if they want to. You know, you can split the paper up, like you can read different parts of it. It comes out there's there's spreads and things like that. It's actually funny, by the way. It's, you know, mentioned talking about splitting the paper up. The paper's been thank God been big, and then we'll get right. back to you. We are thinking about splitting up into sections, like the Wall Street Journal and the Times. You know, thank thank God. So that so that's uh, maybe that's, that's how the Wall Street Journal and Times came the way they did is because people just kept calling and saying our spouses are fighting over the paper. We need special <laughs> inserts and things like that. Certainly, the comics page. Had to be that, like, oh, get my kids away from me. Give them like a comics page. Yeah, you're funny. You're also forgetting that that, that 50 years ago, 40 years ago, these papers were much, much bigger. Right, you know right. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if uh, I think I've told you this in the, in the past, but we actually know about when the decline of the secular print paper has happened. It's actually um, we know the exact date, the exact date in history when newsprint actually became to be less relevant. When? Okay, it's Black Monday, October 7, 1987. Okay, the Sunday Times was 1400. 
pages. People remember how thick the Sunday New York Times was? Okay, it was over 1,400 pages. It has never been that way since. It's basically been on a downhill over ever since, and I don't even think it's, it's, it's even 150, 200 pages today, honestly, if you ever, get the, if you ever look at your New York Times. On I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't get a subscription to the New York Times. You've got to read that. Do you? Don't you feel like you have to read some I read stuff? it sometimes, but I'm not, a, I'm not a New York Times subscriber. Okay. I, you know, I've got to prioritize Jewish Link. I've got I to gotta make sure to consume, <laughs> consume that. One of our goals is that's to make the Jewish Link so that you, it, it, takes you, it takes a lot of people a lot of time to read it. Uh, by the way, I don't expect you to read every article. Uh, by the way, you have any, you have any favorite pieces of it or just, are you just the news I think letters that go? I'll tell you so, though. The thing that I read very religiously is, um, is Nina Glick. <laughs> I really like, I really, I, my wife and I always think her, her stuff is very, um, I think it's, it's always that line of like getting people to think about stuff. And also she takes positions. And so I like that. I like someone who takes positions and you think, and I think it's one of those things where I'm sure you get a lot of mail letters response to it because she takes positions. And I think in, 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 a, in a column like that, and I've, I said to Moshe previously, that I think there should be an, an ask Nina column where people get to ask her questions and do that. But I said it, I said it off the air and I'm saying on the air. So I really like that. And the other thing I like is I love, I love the section, obviously going through with my kids and seeing who in the paper they know. And then I thought the comic section was really cool. And that new comic, I thought that was really cool. Uh, just as someone who grew up reading the comic, uh, the comics, and I thought the artwork was great and the design was great. And I obviously read uh, your editorials also. I do that as well. Um, but I probably, if I'm being honest, the, I probably read the comics before I read the editorial. <laughs> so, okay. like, I, I probably read the the. I definitely, I definitely, I, I religiously read Nina's column, uh, and then, and then, and then everything else afterwards. Um, so anyway, if Nina's listening, we need an Ask Nina column. I think we need that as well. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll have to tell Nina about that. Yeah. That's uh, by the way, she'd love to hear it. But she'd love that. She's, she's. Uh, I think we should. I think it's good. I just, I just think that it, there's, there's too much like sort of safe, blase, vanilla going on in the world, and there's a lot of problems, a lot of issues. So take positions, like talk about stuff, discuss stuff, and I think that's great. I think people who do that, I, I think that's also why I like the editorials is. Is is I also know Moshe knows that I love it when 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 he gets a lot of calls and a lot of, of things about that and I've called him to be like oh probably heard from a lot of people on that I think that's great I think that Jewish Link is is creating that discussion point that otherwise where are you going to hear that from um, it just it just you're not going to hear that as much from other places so I think it's great that the Jewish Link can be that form I also think it's great there's many times the Jewish Link is a form for someone writing something controversial or a letter an opinion and uh, there's been people who've said to me. The Jewish Link shouldn't publish that. I'm like, that's complete nonsense. The Jewish Link 100% should publish that because the, the Jewish Link should be a for, forum for discussion and ideas and things like that. And I'll never forget one of the biggest things that the Jewish Link tackled uh, when we first moved here was the, the high school issue of not enough kids getting into high school. And I still remember people quoting and saying, well, there's a resolution and what did this happen? And I know that there was, I just remember reading that and saying, that's great. Like, I don't know who else would take on that issue and be that platform to do that. No, thank you. Uh, the answer is, is uh, you know, we definitely, uh, actually one of the things I failed as a publisher is I, we don't have enough of those kind of issues and what I call, you know, larger community cloud issues. I, I always wanted, you know, I always thought, I always harken back to the papers from two, three hundred years ago, Yiddish papers, where you'd have the, the Zionists and the Mizrachim and the Agudis and the Bundists all kind of beating each other up uh, or, 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 you know, in, within the Within the pages of the paper, you know, one side versus the other. I always, I always wanted more point counterpoints. I really wanted the issues of the day to be in our paper. I, I actually sometimes I one of the, one of my regrets actually, Maury, is that we don't get enough of of some of that that really important back and forth in the community. It's hard. I, I think I think it's hard to do it in look. 
Baruch Hashem, our community doesn't have a, a whole host of things that you have to do that with. But I think it's difficult because um, I do think many times there's Rabbanim taking uh, a position in your paper and using it as a platform. I just think people don't want to create conflict and take sort of the other uh, the position. But I, I do think there's probably a way for us to do that in, in a respectful way, and the Jewish link could, could cultivate that. Um, but I think the community is seeking, many times the community is seeking those discussions at the Shabbos table, and they're having those deba- discussions and debate. And I think if that's what's happening at your Shabbos table, I don't see why we can't do that in bigger public forums if people are respectful and nice. I think what what is what creates that danger and problem is that you can keep it within the confines of the paper, and then on social media, people just 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 go go completely wild in terms of the opinions and comments and things like that. I'm I'm on Twitter, and then no, I have a policy that I I try as hard as I can not to respond to anybody who's anonymous on Twitter or on social media in general because it's like, well, if you didn't have the guts to put your name out there, why would I put my name on there? So I do think there's a, probably a way to do it. It's just social media creates that environment where where one position can go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely complicated for for sure. By the way, you, so you're not spending your time with Teach anymore. So just uh, I, let's let's uh, let's let's kind of end a little bit. You know, yeah. your your vision's bigger now. You're 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 now you're now representing the the Orthodox Union. So tell me tell me a little about because I've been most we've been talking mostly about Teach. Tell me about like the Orthodox Union. Maybe we'll we'll close on that stuff as well. So yeah. I, I think that the, when you think about the Orthodox Union, one of the the um, the challenges that we I think we have as an organization is. There's a lack of um, understanding over the impact that the, the Orthodox Union makes on people's day-to-day lives in the firm community. The Orthodox Union is, is the largest uh, Orthodox umbrella organization in the world. It is, it is massive. And um, I think, for example, people don't even, let's, let's say what they'll use most well-known for, which is kashras. And I don't think people appreciate what goes into ingredients and ingredient details and everything else like that and, and being in those foreign countries checking ingredients and doing all those types of things. OU is, is a massive cautious organization. It makes all the, helps make all those things kosher. A leader in the field, a visionary in so many ways, Rabbi Ganak, uh, who's, who's local to, the, to, to North Jersey. Um, I, I think that's a big deal, and I think people just don't appreciate when they go in the, in the grocery aisle how many of those things were, were kosher. I mean, you and I grew up in a world where, where Oreos and M&Ms weren't kosher. And so uh, it's a big deal. Um, that's, a, that's my moment where I'm, I'm explaining that... Uh, Moshe and I are older than some of the demographic listeners. <laughs> so just, like, just for those in listening, I mean, that that was my way of doing that. Because if you said to yourself, well, they've always been coached for me, you're younger than Moshe and I. That's right. Um, so the, the thing is, is that that's one. The other piece of it is, is that when you just look around, when people send their kids to college campus, we have the JLIC program. And so um, whether you're in your, your University of Maryland um, or you're in Brooklyn College or all these other places that people go, Harvard, all, all kinds of different places, there's a JLIC campus couple to help learn with the kids, to help create an Orthodox from lifestyle. Uh, so that's that's the OU. The OU is obviously TEACH, uh, which is helping the, the our whole Yeshiva Day School system. The OU is NCSY, which is just massive, um, which is doing everything. I mean, now I'll just I'll just give a plug for I don't know if anybody knows it doesn't know there's somebody you know who goes to NCSY summer. Like every one of us in the community has someone who knows going to NCSY summer. OU has Yachad, and Yachad does unbelievable things and for inclusion of, of, our, of, of community members. Again, I don't know if there's anybody who, do, who do, isn't related to somebody who has a, a, a special need. And so Yachad is helping those, those community members from childhood to adult and doing incredible things for them. We have our Torah programs. A lot of people don't know that all DAF, all Parsha, these learning apps, which allow people to, to learn, is because of, of the OU. Um, we have communal growth programs. We have, we have initiatives where we teach people about personal finances. 
um, and and helping people to learn about the personal finances and and set budgets and create budgets. Um, we have a, our, our women's initiative, which is about about um, women learning um, and and is run by the incredible uh, Dr. Robinson Adina Schmidman. Uh, we have the the and and it's 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 a platform for so many other things in the community. We have um, I'm just trying to go through all of them. There's so there's so many of these things. We have OU Israel. If you go to Israel, yep. and you can see the incredible work OU Israel under um, Rabbi Berman. I'm trying to think if I missed anybody. There's just so many things. The fact that I, as someone who works there, can't remember each and every thing. We have OU Press and OU Publishing, where a lot of incredible books come out that you may not be aware of it. Oh, actually, I'm aware of most of them. Yeah, you're aware of most the of them. Jew- the Jewish link. Uh, well, let's just say OU Press has a direct line to us. Yes. Yes, OU Jewish Action, which is the, mo- the magazine that we publish, publish quarterly, which is which 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 is incredible. Um, there's just so many things that the OU is doing. Uh, and making an impact on, um, it, we're involved in birthright Israel programs, like so many of these different things. But I just think that if you to summarize it, I think whether it's you're learning on a day to day basis, you're um, you're sending your kids to school and you want them protected and you want a more affordable education, you are are looking for for your your kids going to college and you're looking for to make sure if they're if they're in one of these universities that they're in the right environment. Um, you you have someone with special needs, or you're related to someone with special needs. You care about someone with special needs. So many of these different things that OU is addressing, and there's a, there's an OU for you, um, and we're very proud of it. I mean, I I think one of the greatest things uh, that I ever did was joining the OU because of the impact and platform it's given me, not just to create teach, but also just make an impact on all these other things in people's lives. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, Maura, you're, you're you're speaking just like a true Jewish leader. I mean, I, what I've actually seen from you over the last 10, more than 10 years, I guess now. Uh, you, how many years are the OU? 12, 13 years? Yeah, wow, yeah. Years? So I think I probably met you around then. Um, uh, and I, I just want to say I'm, I'm, I feel like I've been watching you grow into a real Jewish leader. Um, a, a national, international Jewish leader. You start off by saying we're the international headquarters of the Jewish Link. Um, we're not international just, just so fast, but we definitely are looking to see. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking up to you, even though I'm bigger than you. Uh, I'm, I've been, uh, I've been looking up to you for a while. So uh, I'm just gonna say, Kane Yerbu, and also if you have any, uh, any, anything, any like any th- closing thoughts or any final thoughts or anything like that. I think that the the I, I would say to people, I always try to close with the following, which is. Just what's your sort of imagined point for your life in terms of, of community and in terms of what you want to see changed? And um, something small can make an impact on your children and grandchildren. Whether or not it's your dedication to your school, whether or not it's your dedication to your school, whether or not it's 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 all kinds of things. And I think when you look at, you know, this is called the pitch meeting, and what you see pitched within the Jewish link is all community-related. I know that there's also business interests in there and things like that, and that's great. But so much of it is is community and community projects and community things that you're doing, and I, I think that's supposed to be a secret, by the way. That how much how much of the paper is nonprofits? I know. I know. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's a, it's a big piece. It's yeah, so. it's. But still, there's also just so many stories that are, are about community members starting gamaks in their home, community members starting new projects, community members having new ideas, and I just I do believe that if you're listening to this or um, or you're learning about this for the first time. I do think that that everyone should should like my Rebbe taught me is everyone should sort of carve out their own thing that they think with their talents and their skills and make an impact on the world. I mean, I think the Jewish people need you, and um, and you should be you should be sitting in a pitch meeting with Jewish Link saying this is my project and why it's really important. I appreciate that. That's uh, I like that. Uh, the Jewish people need you, and they, we need to be pitched. I like it. That's a, that's a that's a great way to end it. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Thanks for being with us on the Jewish Link Pitch Meeting Podcast. If you would like to participate or be in touch with us in any way, please email us at editor at jewishlink.news and follow us and find our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts.